He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son in his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Last week for our midweek Lenten service, we learned about the mind of Christ and how it is and it has always been within the mind of God, and specifically in his Son, uh, to come and suffer and die for us to forgive us our sins. Tonight we'll learn that the cross is also the power of God unto salvation. And uh, the way that Paul presents that to us from Colossians 1, I think is quite remarkable. The reading that you heard tonight, uh, in a way, has bookends. So, at the, in the first, rather the second verse, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And then you notice again in verse 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now for us Lutherans, that language is all quite familiar. It's um, the content of, of all of our preaching. We're always preaching Christ and him crucified for the forgiveness of sins, a forgiveness of sins that he purchased and won through us by his suffering and death, having been washed clean in his blood in our baptism where we receive that forgiveness and continue to have that word of forgiveness proclaimed into our ears, the forgiveness that he won at the cross. So nothing really all that remarkable, I suppose. I mean, it is remarkable. Um, but to hear that we have forgiveness of sins in his blood or that he made peace, as peace between God and man in his blood, this is the content of all of our preaching. And yet, in between... Those two great promises, the central promise of the gospel, forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, uh, Paul goes into, I think, pretty, for lack of a better word, highfalutin language. <laughs> it's the cosmic language, the language of, of the heavenly beings and of the angelic hosts and of the eternal uh, unbegottenness of the Son. And it might seem then to us uh, that Paul's a little confused. He takes something that's quite ordinary and normal, not just in our preaching, but a man being crucified under a Roman legion uh, for have, having been a, a rebel of sorts, that is, um, having spoken against the rulers of the Jews, and then having been suffering and dying, and then, of course, being buried, and his blood being shed, and all of that. That's pretty normal for the first century world, and it's very earthy, Right? a man dying on a cross. Nothing really all that remarkable about it, except for on that day, of course, there were some remarkable things that happened. We had the uh, temple curtain being torn in two. We, had, of course, had darkness from noon until three. We had uh, the earthquakes. We had graves being opened. So uh, maybe it wasn't so ordinary after all. It was quite a remarkable afternoon in that first century world. And of course, as the centurion said at the cross, truly this man was the Son of God. So a Roman centurion recognized the cosmic significance of what happened there. So perhaps then Paul is not being so extraordinary by then. Within the bookends of his cross, going into this language of, of the cosmic reality. So here's what he said. He said that Jesus who delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Well, even that in and of itself is pretty remarkable too. The powers of darkness. What is he talking about? But um, those, well, we call it the unholy trinity of sin, death, and the power of the devil. Having been delivered from that power by his suffering and death on the cross, that's significant. That is powerful. Of course, the cross also, as he says, conveys us into the kingdom of his son. That is, the, the power and significance of our baptism is actually in the blood that washes us clean in baptism. The water and the blood go together from Christ's cross. Remember, they came forth from his side. And that the, the power then of our baptism, of being taken from this world of sin, death, and devil into the kingdom of Christ, forgiveness, life, and salvation, well, that is filled up in the font by Christ's suffering and death. That's powerful too, isn't it? And all of this shouldn't surprise us because of who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. God who is unknowable is made known to us in Jesus Christ. Adam, of course, was made in the image of Christ. We are all once born that image. And now, of course, it's been corrupted by sin, not so much so that we can't begin to see it reemerge through our baptism in the forgiveness of sins. And yet Jesus is God made man, made known to us. Paul then says that he was the firstborn over all creation. Now that is an interesting idea because I don't remember Jesus being born at creation. Of course, he was born of the Virgin Mary some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. And yet, he is also the firstborn of all creation. What does he mean by that? Well, he goes on to explain. By him, that is by Jesus, all things were created, that is in heaven and that are on the earth. Also things visible and invisible. All things were made by Jesus. Also, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created through him, that is by his word, he is the word, and for him. So to be the firstborn of over all creation means that he is and was always meant to be the one who would have dominion over the world, that is, over mankind and everything therein. Adam was made in his image. Of course, Adam corrupted that image by his sin. And now Christ comes and fulfills what Adam failed. This is why Jesus is called the new Adam, right? Adam that wasn't but would always be. It says that he, well, that all things were created in heaven and on earth for him, but also all things visible and invisible. Of course, what are the invisible things that were created by him and for him and through him? This is the angelic host. Um, Paul just throws out a few phrases here, then he expects you to just know what he means by thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. Um, but in the first century world, they would have recognized this immediately to be different orders of angels, categories or orders or um, particular angelic beings. All of these were made for him, by him, and through him. Now, that's a pretty heady idea. But what, what's going on here, and the reason why Paul has this cosmic language between, first, the articulation of Christ's suffering and death for the forgiveness of sins, and then again, making peace with God by his cross, 
is to show that actually all things from the very beginning were made for the purpose of his cross. Again, this is an idea that perhaps is um, highfalutin, but I think it's, it's one we do well to remember, that Christ crucified was always the purpose of God making us. He made us to redeem us. It, it isn't like there was creation, and then there was Adam's fall, and then God said, well, I'll have to try it again, or I'll have to do a, have a grand or divine do-over. We've sometimes heard this articulated. And then have to do it again with the flood, and, or with the tower before that, the Tower of Babel. Over and over, I'm going to destroy this people and raise up a new people. Destroy this people, raise up a new people. Never quite seeing, seeming to get it right until finally Christ comes. And then, oh, finally, he can gather to himself a church of faithful people. The New Testament refutes that, that very notion. is that God is working death and resurrection for faith in Christ from the beginning. This is why from Adam's sin, Adam and Eve received the promise of an offspring that would crush the serpent's head which is fulfilled in Christ crushing the serpent's head with his cross. This was always the point, and it was in the mind of God even before he made the heavens and the earth. The Son made the earth to redeem the earth, to save you, ultimately. This is what he means when he says all things were created through him and for him. He made you with his word. He knit you together in your mother's womb, not simply that you would live a life of 60 or 70 or by reason of strength 80 years and then be done and fly away, as the psalmist says, but rather that you would be born and then reborn again by the font in, in your baptism and that you would live then under him in his kingdom and serve him eternally in his righteousness. This was the point from the beginning. This is the reason why he made all of creation. This is the reason why the angelic hosts were made whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, is to serve you and to serve this word of forgiveness, that his cross would be delivered to you, that you would be preserved in the faith, that you would be able to pray with confidence, as Luther taught us in the catechism, each evening and each morning. Let your holy angel watch over me, that the evil foe have no power over me. He was, for he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the, of the body, the church, who is in the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, and in all things that he may have preeminence. He made the heavens and the earth in order to make for himself a holy bride, the church, to quote Paul from another letter. And of course then, what, does this, what is the power of his cross? What is the power of this peace through his blood, the redemption through his blood, this forgiveness of sins? But not only that he is the firstborn over all creation, if you like, the highest being, the one who rules over heavens and earth, but that he would be the firstborn from the dead, that he would lead you and all believers in him through death into eternal life, that is, through, the, through his suffering and death into the resurrection. All things being reconciled to him and through him having made peace by the blood of his cross. This opening salvo from Paul in Colossians is remarkable in its cosmic significance. And maybe we do well to think about how significant it is then for us, is that it was always in the mind of Christ to suffer and die for us, but that in that suffering and death there was also a significant power 
the power of the forgiveness of sins, the new life that is being firstborn from the dead, and the resurrection from the dead on the last day. Elsewhere, Paul expands on this same idea in his letter to the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians. You usually hear this at, at funerals. Now I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preached to you the gospel which you received and which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with, all, with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me is not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Whether then it, is, it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached, is raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. So you'll know how Paul is articulating that without the cross of Christ and the forgiveness of sins, they are one. There is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, then what's the point of the Christian church and of Christian preaching? But then he uses that lovely word, but, which is a gospel but, if you like. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that would be Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in its own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Those are the demonic host, not the angelic host. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection under him, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things under him, that God may be everything to everyone. So you see there, Paul, in a lovely kind of, um, what do you want to say, um, sequel to Colossians, is saying that Christ has actually brought the rule and authority of, that was always his from creation to being into a kingdom by his suffering and death. A suffering and death that has 
purchased in one you and brought peace uh, between you and God that has redeemed you, that has brought you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, of the light. And in that kingdom, you receive daily and richly forgiveness of sins, a forgiveness of sins that has attached to it powerful promises, namely the resurrection of the body on the last day and, of course, eternal salvation. This is the power of God, the power of Christ crucified for you. Thanks be to Jesus in his holy name. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.